Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Snare drum time does indeed mean Score North Gopher Show time. Welcome into, welcome aboard to another Score North Gopher Show. I would be Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on the Twitter machine with James Murphy today at Murph underscore MN. Daniel House joins us shortly via the phone at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. As we get rolling, a reminder. Well, first off, a thank you. Thank you for listening to the Score North Gophers show wherever it is that you have found this show. Thank you for telling a friend if you have indeed done so. And if you haven't given us a review yet, We would certainly appreciate that, especially if it is a favorable review. You can do that, and we would very much appreciate it. Again, this podcast available, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, and on that free Score North mobile app. Well, gentlemen, this week on this edition, we are discussing a couple of nice wins for the Gopher basketball team when we last talked. You doubted them. (laughs) You're right. I did. I'll I'll take that. I don't know if I actually officially no, did. No, you didn't. But I just like to say that you did. I think we all have been on the train of making the NCAA tournament is going to be difficult for this team. Mm-hmm. But since we last talked, they haven't hurt their case. If nope. anything, they've only helped their case. And believe it or not, and I can't believe I'm saying this, they'll have a chance to help their resume with the win at the rack in Piscataway on Sunday, if they can do that. But before we get there, let's start with the week that was and maybe throw it to Daniel House on the phone. Daniel, a couple of real nice wins for the Gophers. They were at home. They held serve. They did what they had to do this past week in getting wins over Michigan and Penn State. Just a dominant performance from Daniel Turu again. I look at what he's done the past five games, averaging 25 a game, 13 rebounds. He's shooting 45% from three, almost 70% at the free throw line. When you break down the statistics, he has a 3.1 win share, which is second behind Luca Garza. So he is making this whole thing tick, and you see Marcus Carr distributing the ball. He has 21 assists in the past two games, 48 points, uh, had 27 against Penn State. That was a weird game, guys, wasn't it? Unbelievable how much tension there was throughout that one. Like I'm, I'm getting my popcorn ready for when the Gophers go out to Penn State and play those guys again. It was definitely entertaining, and you you saw that even as the game wrapped up in the handshake line, there was still some tension going on, not even just during the game where there was multiple technical fouls given out, especially one to Daniel Oturu where you, you, you knew that he couldn't pick up another one, but he still uh, was emotional. You could see they, they, there was tension, uh, as I mentioned, during the handshake line. Is that something that, the, and, and they brought it up during the broadcast, is that something that just needs to get out of college basketball? I mean, it's it's not something you see anywhere other than 
even I, I think hockey is the only spot where you see a, a handshake line, and that's that's in the postseason. That's that's uh, when a series is wrapped up. Is it, it does it just seem strange that they even do that because they don't do that in any other sport? I I honestly kind of like the idea of shaking hands. It's something that I just think has been a part of college basketball. Mm-hmm. But when you have these types of tense moments, it's like wow, I was very surprised to see what happened at the end of the game all the tension inside in the all night like it was a physical battle but that's that's big 10 basketball for you watching the post game on btn there was actually kind of a funny mildly awkward moment you could tell that uh dave revson and andy katz had differing opinions on the post game handshake line where revson was like oh you, you it, i'm not going to try and put words in his mouth but basically the synopsis was you really can't have these guys jawing at each other and Andy Katz was basically like, "Oh, we need more of this. This is this is great." It was it was actually kind of fun to see that that interplay between the two. Uh, I tweeted this out during the game earlier this week, Thursday night, Wednesday night. Sorry, it seems like Minnesota and Penn State developing into a little bit of a rivalry here, doesn't it? I know they've played so many one possession and overtime games in the last few years. Another intense game, house reference to getting his popcorn ready for when the Gophers go to Happy Valley. This has turned in, this has turned into a, a just it's it's been fun. There's no other way to put it. When Minnesota and Penn State play, it's been fun. It was fun this year in football, by the way. I'll get that jab in, but this has turned into I don't know if it's a I don't know if you'd call it like a Minnesota Iowa Minnesota Wisconsin rivalry, but the last few years this has been a ton of fun and a little intense. Has the thing with Lamar Stevens and Oturu does did that have any did that go back at all besides this game because it was definitely those two that were going at each other. Do you guys recall of any incident in the past or, or a reason that they it might have come to where you know Oturu had received a, a warning? Both players received warnings from the official before Oturu got that technical foul, and then obviously it passing through to the to the handshake line. You could read you know, if you could read lips, it, it it didn't look good from what Oturu was saying, but I. I just have to feel like there was something else there, not just what happened in this game. Daniel, does anything come to mind? I don't recall anything that happened, but I know that the Big Ten tournament game that I was at in Chicago last year got really intense at some moments, too, and there was some scrappy rebounding going on. And Penn State's just a really physical team. Like They they are known for being scrappy, and that's something Patino talked about leading up to the game was minimizing turnovers and being able to handle how they really go for the basketball and create deflections. So that's one of the things that I thought they they did a nice job of in that game was was limiting the amount of sloppy possessions they had. And Carr was super efficient again. And then Ollie and Demir has been kind of the sleeper of this team. You look at it like three or four plays per game where maybe he gets a loose ball, makes a high-energy play on defense. He blocked a shot that led to a transition uh, look for a two-rear on the other end. And then he had this smooth move believed to tie the game late late in the uh the Penn State one you just look at what he's been able to do and the value he's provided coach Patino getting him as a transfer was a big part to help fill out the roster and I know I agree with you Daniel and I I have a I actually have a gripe to bring up with both of you guys if, if that's okay can we gripe after two wins gripe away okay so this Penn State game just felt to me like the Gophers should have won it by more. Penn State in the second half was just incredibly inefficient, and it just seemed like I, I think they went on a 13, 14-minute 
string of no field goals in the game. And that was the, the Gophers just really weren't able to take advantage of that with mainly due to poor shooting from Kalsher in the second half. He was 0 of 7 from 3 on the day. And I, I'm not going to gripe about that, but I just think it. the Gophers felt like, to me, that they, they, they really missed an opportunity to put the foot on the throat of Penn State, even to the extent where Penn State was staying in the game towards the end. And I brought this up to you, Ross, because it felt like with four minutes left in the game, three minutes left in the game, the Gophers were more concerned about running clock than they were about running offense when they were only up about five to seven points. Does that does that bug you guys at all? Because to me, I was sitting there on my on my sofa where where I do most of my coaching, and I I was just thinking to myself, how it, there's three minutes left in the game, how are you so concerned about running clock that you're you're yeah you're wasting thirty seconds, but you're hoisting up an awful contested off balance three point shot instead of just running your same offense that that has been successful, um, especially in the first half. Did did that bother you guys at all? I'll start with you, Daniel. I was a little bit surprised about how the the second half played out. Like you said, that one for 15 scoring drought that Penn State went on, they shot 60% in the first half and then went totally dry in the final 20 minutes. I don't think I've watched a game like that in a while where you literally saw them not hitting any shots in the second half after just lighting the rim on fire for the first 20 minutes. But I look at what's going on with, Gabe Kelcher and Peyton Willis, if they could get any type of contribution for them, Gabe's had several open looks. He missed all seven of his three-point tries in that last game. If he could find his shot, the way that Carr and Oturu playing, Demir with his efficient bursts that he has, if they could get something out of out of Kelcher or Willis, uh, it would be a huge lift for them to be able to take this team to the next level. So I look at it this way, Daniel, with Gabe Kelsher. You know me. I'm a big Gabe Kelsher guy. I think we all are here. Uh, you got to keep giving him an opportunity to shoot. I mean, this is just what shooters do. They go through streaks. Eventually, he's going to shoot his way out of it. I was having many text conversations with friends on Wednesday night. One of them, obviously, was with Murph. Sorry we left you out of the chain, but we know you're working a lot harder than we are during the game, <laughs> Daniel. But one was to another friend. And I said, well, you just got to keep giving him opportunities. Eventually, he's going to hit them. But it was funny. It did become noticeable in the second half. At one point, Oturu had a great chance to get it to Kelsher up top. And you could tell he just looked at him and passed on him because he knew he wasn't shooting well. And and I get it, but I also think at some point, he's going to start making those shots. And you have to trust that he will. Hopefully, it's Sunday in Piscataway. Um, Daniel... It's, what, about a half a season in, a little bit more now. Do we have any idea how the, um, or maybe not how, but just what type of coach and what type of program and what type of identity Juwan Howard's trying to establish in Michigan? Well, I look at that team and I see one that's starting to maybe gel, but they've been really, really inconsistent. You look at uh, from an standpoint, I believe they're like third in the conference and assists. They've been sharing the basketball much better. I'm trying to figure out what's, style of play they're going to be if they're going to be more of a transition team they're going to be a post-oriented half-court team uh i i I want to see how they continue to uh progress and and evolve as the rest of the season goes on but when when we watch minnesota play them i was just impressed with how daniel oturu dominated the entire game you're seeing that versatility being able to step out make threes the mid-range jumper the smooth post moves off the dribble they've had trouble michigan all year was allowing a tremendous amount of points and rebounds 
to the big men. And, and Juwan Howard just has been unwilling to double down there. And they did it a little bit in the last game, but Patino did a nice job of scheming to get Oturu isolated and off the dribble, and it was very successful. So they have to figure out how to maybe get a little bit better uh, down low. Daniel, you put out the bat signal on the Twitter machine that we were res- that we were recording a Score North Gophers show. One of the topics that came up was right in line with what I wanted to talk about. We've talked about it on this show. All three of us have. Daniel Oturu and the NBA. I told Murphy a text. I think I I think the evidence is starting to point to. I think he's he's gone after this year. I f- I feel like his play is showing that. The question specifically is, can he be a lottery pick? I. I'm not sure if he's going to be a lottery pick, but I definitely feel like he's going to be a first-round pick. And if he gets that news, I think odds, I wouldn't say they're 100%, but I think they're pretty good he would go to the NBA unless he feels like he's not sure he's a lottery pick and coming back for one more year would do that. Uh, I'll say it this, at the very least, I'll put it to you this way. I won't be surprised if, if he's nearing his end of his run here with the Golden Gophers and at Williams Arena? I wouldn't be surprised either. Just with the versatility that he's showing, the strides he's made with his game, being able to have that mid-range jumper, kill opponents off the dribble when he's isolated, uh, the post moves, the footwork, he added physicality this offseason. I think he's better on the defensive end than he was last year, and uh, he's crashing the glass. This Gophers team has surprised me in the rebounding area. They're six in the Big Ten in rebounding margin, and I honestly thought with the personnel that they had, they were going to struggle to rebound the ball, but they've been managing to hold up well, and Oturu's been a big part of that. And NBA scouts just have to be salivating at the idea that he can provide so much versatility with the skills that he has developed. I agree with you to an extent, Daniel. I just think he'd be so it'd be so much better for his overall NBA future if he does stay one more year in college because mm-hmm. I think there's another level to his game and he he's shown with especially the outside shot this year. That's what's that's what has got teams, I'm sure, as you mentioned, salivating at that because that was that was one thing that with in today's NBA those stretch four types, which is what Oturu would be. I don't know that he would play center in the NBA, but a stretch four type needs to be able to hit that outside shot. And with him adding that level to his game, that's definitely something that's got their eyes open. But I think there there's more to unpack here with Daniel Oturu. And I think he can become even better of a player than, than he's shown this year. So I think even though he, he most certainly, I, I, I believe he has a shot to be a first-round pick, as Ross said, I just don't think that... It, necessarily going out this year where it's that still might not happen you might be a high second round pick I don't think you're a lock lottery pick like like we had said before so in that case I would recommend that he stay but that's just me I I totally understand going and getting your money in the NBA well and I think you want to set yourself up for the best amount of money possible Mm -hmm. I agree with you I just think in today's day and age if somebody finds out they believe they're a number a first round pick they're probably going to go Personally, I would look at it and say, okay, well, I think I'm a first-round pick, but that means I could slide to the second round. I would look at it and say, if I'm being told I'm a lottery pick, then I know at worst I'm still going in the first round, which backs up your point, Murph. That's how I would look at it. I think it just all depends on who's around him, who's giving him advice, where it's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. When I 
when I look long term, what that could mean, because we've talked about this team, fringe NCAA tournament team, some work to do, but it's possible. If they don't make it this year, and then he decides to leave after this year, I'm not sure what the avenue looks like to making the NCAA tournament next year. And again, I think we have to get there before we can start having these conversations. Mm -hmm. But then you're talking only two tournament appearances in eight years, if that's how this would project out over the next year and a half. And to me, that's for this program, that's not acceptable. Like you, you are a major power conference basketball team in what I believe to be an ever growing recruiting base. The talent here is getting better year over year, year after year. And you just you got to get to the tournament more regular than that. Maybe maybe they make it this year and they make it next year. And this conversation is a complete waste of time. Mm -hmm. But projecting forward, I don't know how I feel about that, if that's the way it was to play out. I, I see where you're going with that, but I mean, I, I just have to, I, I disagree in this way because while, while the end, you're right, the end result is to get to, or the end goal is to get to the NCAA tournament and, and, and have your shot at everything there. But I mean, I think you have to look at this team as a whole with, with everything it's been through since Richard Pitino took over as head coach. I mean, you talk about uh, just, just scan uh, and not, I, I don't want to say marred with scandal, but that early on that's what it was and then you have Amir Coffey leaving which I think threw a big wrench I think if you have Amir Coffey on this team they're they're probably one of the favorites in the Big Ten is that is that would you agree with that yeah I would say so but I would also say it's the head coach's job to have enough talent in the system to be able to overcome when somebody leaves early that's fair but they have a shot to make the NCAA tournament this year so if they do or even if they're one of the first four out let's just say you have to give Richard credit for for losing his best player and still coming back the, the the next year with with that kind of firepower especially while playing a a difficult non-conference schedule, something they haven't done before, not not in my recent memory, and and actually being able to take seven losses early in the year, and actually we're still talking about a potential NCAA tournament team. House, be the swing vote here. Well, when you see this team, and we talked about it last podcast, there always feels like there's a missing part, missing component to the team, and I look at last year with with a point guard not being a real legitimate position for the Gophers last year. If they would have had one, it would have changed everything because Amir could have played the wing more when they had to bring the ball up as much. Now this year you don't have Amir coffee. And if Oturu leaves, it's all about having enough depth on the roster and recruiting enough that you're able to withstand when people want to go pro. So if they lose a that that hurts them next year because Obviously, they're losing a premier player, one of the most valuable players in the Big Ten when you're looking at win shares and things like that. Uh, he's, he's in the conversation right now as, I would say, the best, one of the best uh, post players in the entire country. So having him on the floor changes everything that you can do offensively. And you can build upon with, with Mashburn coming in next year. You can build upon what you have uh, in the backcourt and team that up with Oturu. Next year, if a Turu stays, I like the way that this roster is starting to look because of the recruiting moves that they've made and, and how they're starting to, to build this roster with even guys like on the bench right now. Uh, Isaiah Enan, uh, he's an intriguing player that needs some time to develop, but you see some of the flashes from Trey Williams, too, and people like that. Uh, the, the roster looks like it's, it's, it's in a better position than it's been, but if a Turu leaves, then you're losing another piece, again, like we talked about. 
And and I want to give Ross credit because Ross isn't completely wrong in what he's saying. I <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but where where I think you're right is in the fact that they are incredibly dependent on like an Oturu this year and a Marcus Carr. You you just have to look at the fact where Kalsher is going on this poor this poor shooting streak, and they can't even play anybody else. They had to play Gabe Kalsher 34 minutes in a game where he was clearly struggling. And, I mean, he he provided a lift defensively, so he at least did that. But you look at the bench production. Guys, the Gophers had two bench points against uh, Penn State. The two came from Jarvis Omersa. By the way, God love Jarvis Omersa, but he had five fouls in 13 minutes. It's the the lack of bench depth on this team, and I again I, I love the energy Jarvis plays with. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to rip him, but Michael Hurt played four minutes off the bench, had a one rebound. Uh, you you mentioned Trey Williams. Trey Williams didn't take a shot in the game. So I I, I hear what Ross is saying with if, especially if you lose Daniel Oturu, how at least he would be nervous and I, I would be too in that case from what we've seen from the gopher bench each year there always seems to be one gopher forward that just racks up an uncanny <laughs> amount of fouls in a small was amount it, of time like uh, was it were uh kanate and jeju always doing that was that were those two guys that did that I'm, I'm trying to think of other ones those are great names by the way good good to bring up some great names of the past mm-hmm. house let's Let's get a quick note here. Not just anybody goes to the rack in Piscataway and wins a basketball game anymore. <laughs> that team's 12-0 and at home. If you are just a casual observer of college basketball or the Big Ten, I think you'd automatically assume that the Gophers are going to go on the road and get a little bit healthy on Sunday. And that just winning there is going to be no easy treat. I got a weird feeling that the Gophers are going to win. Time will tell. But what are the keys to getting a victory against Rutgers? Well, I look at Rutgers' team in general, just the way that they built that roster. Steve Peichel's totally flipped that team. I see Akwasi Yabo uh, from Stony Brook. He was a transfer that came in. Can he I get provided... spelling and pronunciation on that, please? Akwasi Yaboa. Akwasi Yaboa. It's a tongue twister. Am, am I hitting it correctly, fellas? I have no idea. I don't know why. I just felt the need to derail you there. I'm so sorry. I, I, I've tried my best there. I was prepared and ready to pronounce no, that name. I think correctly. you nailed it. I'm none the wiser. I just, yeah, we have that, no idea. Yeah, that's a fun name. But It's no de lada, but dear. Yes, I've, I'm well-seasoned in those types of names. The Sezi Otomoeo, you know, some of those names. Yeah, for sure. How do we get but that I, victory? Uh, Harper and Baker in the backcourt. Baker's thumb was uh, injured, and he missed a couple games. Finally returned. He's back. And with the way that they rebound and attack the rim uh, down low, I see the, the way that the Gophers have to win this game is they can't turn the ball over. This, this Rutgers team is really great uh, at creating deflections, getting on the move. Uh, they're athletic in the front court too, so they'll, they'll push it down the floor. So Minnesota has to really take care of the basketball and maximize the possessions. I feel like this is a game where uh, you really got to get a tour as many touches as possible because uh, I like the matchups that he has inside, especially against a guy like Miles Johnson. So go for basketball at Rutgers this weekend. One gentleman who spent a cup of coffee out in Piscataway 
former Gopher football coach Jerry Kill, who was at Rutgers as the offensive coordinator, I believe in 2015, making a segue here. Since 2015, Jerry Kill has been employed at Rutgers, Kansas State, Southern Illinois, Virginia Tech. It was a short-lived reunion with Tracy Clays. Very short. They might not even have met. And now he is off to TCU, which admittedly to me makes sense. He was in Gary Patterson's wedding, I believe. It may have been the other way around. And uh, this is not up for me to rip anybody for finding employment. But this just continues to strike me as odd. I, I really hope that this is the one that he goes to and can truly find happiness because all I saw this week when he took the uh, took the TCU job, gentlemen, was a lot of pot shots at him. And I, and I do, and I've said numerous times on this podcast, I feel a little bit bad because who knows where he would have taken this program to if he had the chance health-wise to continue he might still be here doing some of the same things that P.J. Fleck is doing right now. But when you've had one, two, three, four, five jobs in five years, <laughs> it, you open yourself up to a little bit of criticism, whether it's fair or not. And I think some of that's personal. I think he's truly trying to find what he can do and what makes him happy. But this is odd. I say this without trying to jab him. Guys, I have no... I have no belief in my heart that he'll still be there a year from now. Yeah, and that have, and that's what makes me feel bad. You'd have no. But, I mean, what's <laughs> what's he shown in since he left Minnesota to make you believe that nothing? So and I, and I know there's health concerns. I right. feel bad for him. I want well the, then maybe just be done, right? I want the best for him. Maybe I just need to be done and not care about this. But when I see this, I keep it's, it's literally it's it's within a year. It's a new job every time. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I know a lot of people do this in real life, but. When he had stepped down, he, he he never ruled out coming back to football. But this is it's not even like five different coordinating jobs. They're they're all entirely yeah, they're different jobs. They're all entirely different, different jobs. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and before you brought it up like that, I guess I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have thought much of it just because I again I it's not something I care about. But I don't want people jabbing at him. Yeah. That that's why I think he should be remembered as having a really nice run here. He took mm-hmm. them to a New Year's Day bowl. He got the program back. Yeah. From, stabilized from where he from where he received it to where he left it for Tracy Clays and ulti- ultimately PJ Fleck um it, it world's different worlds apart from where he where he where the program was when he got here so again he deserves all the credit for that and I like Jerry as a coach I thought I, I thought Jerry did a really good job and I think his players like playing for him and uh I, I you know I, Every everyone he he touched here was you know had had something good to say about him. So I, I don't want to I, I don't want to go there either. But you bring it up all those different jobs for all those different schools that that's definitely something. So I, I'm not I'm not sure on that. House, you spent some time around him early on in your University of Minnesota career. What are what are your thoughts on all of this? I'm a little surprised about it, to be honest. I, I, it's been weird how he's jumped around to many different places. He was doing some athletic director stuff, I believe, at Southern Illinois. and Then he went and did assistant head coach stuff for several other programs, five and five years now. And then the odd outburst on P.J. Flack and that all that stuff. It just it, it, The entire thing has led me to believe that it, it's all just a little bit odd how he's he's jumping around all over the place. But now with, with the way Fleck has things going and the program's direction, I think other people are just kind of 
moving forward and going, man, I'm surprised at, at what's going on with Jerry Kill. Well, I think what's tough, too, probably, and again, we'll never be in his mind. I would never try and speak for anybody. So this is just purely coming from me and what I'm theorizing. My guess is obviously the way he went out in Minnesota is not how he wanted to go out. It's really tough to leave a place when you probably really didn't want to. And then you have what happened with Tracy Clays, and he felt like maybe it was a bit of an attack on his program. But you know what? That's life. A lot of us leave jobs, get told to leave jobs, and it maybe wasn't the decision that we wanted. It's just the whole thing's awkward to me, and I don't think we need to spend a ton of time belaboring it. But I mainly wanted to bring it up just because I felt like if when Jerry Kill winds up at TCU, on the surface you would say, oh, that's good for him. Like, good, we should be happy for him. Him and Gary Patterson, good buddies, he has a job. Good for good for Jerry, good for Coach Kill. But 70 80% of what I saw on social media was the exact opposite. It was people making fun of him and taking pot shots at him. And, and I don't want him to re- be remembered that way or have people think about him that way. But then again, I guess that's on me. I can think about him positively and not care what other people think. But it just it just strikes me as odd. Percent chance he's still at TCU when we record a pod on this exact same day in a year? <laughs> I think. Well, I think it's pretty good. I, I'm feeling pretty positive yeah, about this maybe one. Maybe just because they're like you. I, I don't know. I I'd like to hope so. I, I'd like to, like you said. We I I think it, it's a good. It'd be a good thing for him to settle down somewhere. It, and and I mean, if not, may, maybe getting out of it isn't the worst thing in the world either. And that's like usually you'd think second, third, fourth job in in a short period of time maybe maybe that's when you realize maybe it's something you you want to just step away from but it it seems like he doesn't want to so as long as he wants to be a part of it he's going to it it looks like so jerry kill winds up at virginia tech or he was already there tracy tracy clays winds up there i just almost said tracy kill tracy clays winds up there as linebackers coach i believe right I was half expecting within a couple days that the band was going to be getting back together, that Matt Limegrover was going to wind up at Virginia Tech as like their offensive line coach or coordinator. That obviously didn't happen. But boys, unless there's some some huge topic that I'm missing, I know we have the, the Destiny Pitts move leaving the University of Minnesota. I think it's really tough for me to talk about that other than she, than she left the U because I just don't think we know all of this story. Yeah, the story. Sh- the entire thing is... The only thing that I've seen, and this goes back to yesterday, is basically she said she was benched because of body language. Right, and, and I feel like there's more to it than that. Yeah, that's interesting that she went um, that she went public with that because I believe Lindsay hasn't commented on it or basically nothing other than wishing her well, but didn't comment on the suspension. Um, there wasn't a reason given for the suspension, if I'm not mistaken, from the university or from Lindsay. Is that correct? I have not seen anything. Okay. House, if you, I have not. The the entire there's not a lot of details on it. Uh, just that Destiny released and and Waylon said that she was uh, suspended, and that's about all that has been discussed about it. The only person that I know who truly goes after players for body language is the head football coach of the Detroit Football Lions. <laughs> it would be, I, I'm sure no, body. That's, that's, I'm guessing body language maybe had something to do with it. It's not the entire story. It can't be. No, because you don't suspend someone for that. That's not a. That's not some. You you might you take someone out for a couple possessions for that. 
right? You don't suspend someone. And and was it an indefinite suspension? I I didn't hear any of that. So Daniel, did did was there a uh, a time frame on it that you heard or no? It was just a suspension, but it it, it felt like it was indefinite because yeah. the two bellows sat out. They returned. Uh, so I don't know the whole thing. There's not a lot of, of details on it, but it all seems like there's a there's a second side to the story. And you don't, if you're Whalen, you're not suspending someone without talking to administration about how you're going to approach it. So there has to be more to this story. Well, gentlemen, I want to compliment both of you. Well, I guess at least myself and Murph. I can't see Daniel, but I can only assume your body language has been just impeccable for the Score North Gophers show. James has been perfectly seated in his chair. I'm leaning forward, not even using the back of my chair. So <laughs> I think our body language, and we brought it today. We brought it. We bring it every single week. We bring it. It's like the Big Ten Conference, guys. I mean, I have to ask before we end this, how many teams are going to make the tournament in the Big Ten right now? There's 12 teams with the top 50 net ranking right now. Well, they're going to get... They're going to continue to cannibalize each other, right? And and twelve aren't going to make it. But is it is it eight or nine? What's the nine? Maybe. What do we know? What the most that have made it from a single conference are? Does anyone know that off the top of their head? Well, didn't the Big East a few years ago send like all sixteen yeah. teams when they were still a thing? The Big East is different though. But yeah, <laughs> I'm I. I I just that was think, a joke. I know they didn't send everybody, right, but right. it was a lot. I I just think that. I mean, how many legitimate, like, if, if how many teams would you say right now are locks from the Big Ten? I mean, Michigan Damn. State, do we have... Um, Probably the current top six. Is, is Rutgers a lock? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think, that, so. I think yeah. they are, which is just crazy. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Michigan State, Illinois... Rutgers, Wisconsin probably is. Wisconsin with their road wins. They have two road wins of the six in the entire conference. If, if the season ended today, I would say I would say the top six, which would include Minnesota. But if if we're trying to project out Daniel, oh boy, I don't know. I'm staring at it right now. What's funny is you look at it, and I, I actually am looking at it right now. The team that sits what? Tenth in the conference is Ohio State, who's two and four, but they're twenty first in the country. So yeah, logically, they the, would be in. That's, that's the issue: is where you have a couple of teams at the, I mean, the bottom, quote unquote, where you have Penn State and Ohio State with two wins, but they they both have twelve wins as a as a program because they didn't struggle in the in the non conference like the Gophers did, even though the Gophers are sitting with with uh, with four Big Ten victories. So I I don't know. I mean, I, I think it it's it's. There's definitely a chance, though, for them to send. I I think ten is a, is a, is possible. You guys think ten is possible? Nine Ooh. or ten? I I'd say I feel like that number's gonna it's gonna settle. So I'll go with nine, but I I could see ten because I'll, I'll, we'll get to you here in just one quick second, house. But right now at the stand, looking at the standings, if you just want to look at wins and losses, which I know doesn't really mean anything when it comes to net and putting teams in the tournament, but you only have two teams below 500 in the entire conference. Right. And the, it's the fact that, okay, let's say the cannibal, like cannibal, there's more cannibaling of cannibalizing cannibalization. Jesus. Uh, there's more cannibalization of, of the entire conference. There's going to still be teams with 18 wins 
and and we're not going to know what to do with them. 18 was kind of the number I think that we had selected as if you get to 18 before then or the Big Ten tournament, then you have a shot. Um, there could be realistically there there could be 10 teams at that 18 win mark or above. Looking at the Big East in 2011, 11 of 16 made it. That's the, that appears to be the record for the NCAA tournament from a single conference. So looking at the Big Ten, I, I, I don't know. It, there's, it's going to even out here as we get into February. We're going to start to see some teams like, I want to see some more from Indiana. I want to see some more from Penn State. Uh, teams like that. Can Rutgers keep the consistency going? I'm not quite sold on Iowa yet. Let's see how some of these teams kind of uh, go up and down over the course of the next three weeks. Gentlemen, special thanks to Jake on Twitter for submitting his question on Daniel Oturu and having similar thoughts to me. Great, great topic to bring up. Special thanks to Mr. Uh, Daniel House's father who checks in. I hear <laughs> listening to the pod regularly, commenting on how we make our Jack's pizzas. Jack's Pizza will be the dinner for tonight if I make it home during uh, Snowmageddon. I'm looking forward to it, boys. That's all I got. We got everything out of the way. Super positive about the basketball team. Yeah. Had to bring let's up. Go, G- let's go win one at the rack. Yep. No one's done it so far. Let's go do that. Had to bring up Jerry Kill. Had to get in our weekly Jack's Pizza mention, even though they're not a sponsor. Well, not yet. Yeah, not not yet. House, good stuff as always. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Stay safe, okay? Is, is everything uh, where you're at? Did you board up the windows? You're good to go? We're good for snow Megadon here. We're, <laughs> we're we're not moving. Good for you. You you be safe. Enjoy uh, watching film on the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. Donnell Green, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Daniel's just the best. Absolutely the best. Daniel House, at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. You can regularly see his work on scorenorth.com as well as the free Score North mobile app. Murph, always great seeing you as yeah. well. Your your word of the week, by the way, is cannibalizing. Cannibalization. Cannibalizing, cannibalize. Not cannibaling, as, as I went with. That's <laughs> that's not the word. Uh, Can- so don't use that one. But- cannibaling would be like if you were... This will be this. No, I would, uh, never mind. We won't you even sure? go there. No, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm sure we'll talk after. That'll do it for this edition of the Score North Gopher Show. Thank you for listening wherever it is that you found this podcast. Please, if you can and you're so inclined, please give us that five star review. We would greatly appreciate it. More Score North Gopher Show soon. For James Murphy and Daniel House, I'm Ross Brendel. We'll chat next time. Row the boat, Sky Yuma. Go, go for basketball.